0: Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I chat with Emily Gaugh. Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I'll bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. All right, so Emily is a registered holistic nutritionist, and she's all about helping you figure out how to eat in a way that works for real life. She is obsessed with dark chocolate, photography, and snuggling with any dog that she can find. So Emily and I had an amazing chat about um, hormone health um, towards the end of the podcast. And we talked about birth control and um, the actual effect that the pill or IUDs might be having on your hormones. Uh, We chat about diets and um, how we can kind of reverse engineer or kind of get out of that mindset of, this is the way I'm going to achieve my results and um, how to start tuning into what your body actually wants instead of what the magazine says the next diet phase is going to be. So that's what we have in store for you guys today. It's a really good one. Um, All about, again, tuning in and listening in. It seems to be a theme of the podcast this year. So I hope you guys enjoy and are going to get some great tips on, again, how to listen to what your body wants and needs. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. Today I have Emily off on with me. And we are going to chat lots of nutrition, hormone, and health talk today. So I'm excited to have you on, Emily. And um, I want to know a little bit about your background and how you discovered the health and wellness field.
1: Oh, for sure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, So it, I, I don't have, I find so many people have this really pivotal moments sometimes, like a health crisis or something like that, that got them into the field. Mine was much more gradual than that. Um, Growing up, I ate relatively well, but I was always sort of caught in this constant battle with myself for eating a ton of foods that didn't really make me feel great, either emotionally, mentally, or really my digestive system either. Um, So I would, back then I would call them junk foods. Now I'm not really about that. I'll still indulge in those types of foods and there's nothing wrong with them. Sometimes you just have to sort of limit it depending on uh, what uh, makes you feel good. Um, but I also never knew what I was doing in the gym. So I was a huge class growing up. I'm still, still mostly class. Um, but a friend took me to a boot camp class and this wasn't really your typical boot camp class. It was a little bit, bit more bordering on CrossFit, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. I completely fell in love uh, to the point where I ended up being trained as a fitness instructor, and started teaching boot camp classes myself. So that was when I sort of started to shift more towards learning about nutrition, because that was obviously the key. It it had become obvious to me that that was sort of the the key to everything, and making sort of small changes that were turning into a a more moderate approach in terms of how I viewed my own nutrition as well. And basically just trying to find ways to balance foods that you really love um, that maybe aren't so great for you with all of the really good stuff like lots of veggies and stuff and uh, finding a way to, to eat that you really enjoy. So I ended up uh, doing a two-year holistic nutrition program. And here we are today. I've just been running with that. And uh, I, I do feel like nutrition can just have such a massive impact on us inside and out. But a lot of it is about the, the mindset associated with nutrition. So that's something that I always really like to focus on as
0: well. Ooh, I want to talk about that because I, when listening to what you were just saying about like the junk food and not wanting to like go down that road or like exclude junk food from your diet, I think that can be an interesting concept to people. Um, Like just in general, being like, what, I shouldn't avoid certain foods. Can you talk a little bit about that and kind of our fear around, you know, certain foods that we have in our cupboards? Absolutely. It's, this is part of the problem, and I, I went through this
1: for years of basically fearing all kinds of foods. If I was going to a social outing, I would already be mapping out in my head how I was going to completely avoid the dessert table because I didn't trust myself to even have a single piece of anything without feeling like I would completely go off the deep end and end up eating an entire tray of cookies for myself, which has happened in the past. So <laughs> I needed to... Just sort of figure that out and start to learn to trust myself a little bit more. So at first it started with um, kind of transitioning from making sure, let's just say that I, I had a social outing uh, at one particular evening. I would make sure that I was eating properly. Uh, so eating lots of great nutrient dense foods and, and foods that I genuinely enjoyed the taste of uh, throughout the day. So mostly just like veggies and proteins and stuff like that. And staying well hydrated, all of that stuff. And then, when I got to that event, it it wasn't like before where I would almost be uh, leaving room for junk food <laughs> or for that for that type of food that I knew wouldn't make me feel great, um, because I was trying to find some more self-trust. And that kind of transition to introducing, some of those types of food like chocolate or cookies or popcorn, whatever, whatever your, uh, your particular vice might be. And introducing some of those foods into my life more often so that it wasn't just set on these um, specific events or dates and times or whatever. When something is in your life much more often, then it doesn't seem like it's so out of reach the rest of the time. So when you're presented with that opportunity to eat that particular food um, at some particular event, you're not craving it quite as much because you've already given yourself permission to have that type of food anytime. So it doesn't have to be you know, only at Christmas or only on uh, my birthday or something like that. You can find a way to create that for yourself in your everyday life and introduce some, some more balance and moderation in that, in that respect. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. I love that. Trusting yourself. Cause I feel like that's, I always have a tough time articulating that. Um, when people are like, well, you just don't have any like rules around what you can and can't eat. I'm like, no, if I want to have like a peanut butter cup, I'll have one, you know, and like little things like that. And I always I'm like, I don't know how to explain this to people, but it is, it's really like having that self-trust that I'm like, well, I know myself. Cause if I tell myself all week long, no, you can't have it. Well, on Friday, I'm going to be like, I am going to the grocery store and I'm going to buy like two packs of whatever peanut butter cups or, you know, for me, it was always M&Ms like peanut butter M&Ms. And then I'd eat the whole bag or two bags and then you feel sick. And so I'm like, instead of doing that, it's just like, okay, just knowing I can have a couple and that's it. I feel the, that maybe that sugar rush that you needed or whatever. Um, you know, it's done. Like I don't have to deprive myself. Like right now I made some homemade Reese's peanut butter cups um, by a pinch of yum. Anyone out there is looking for a recipe. They have an amazing vlog and super good recipe for them. And they, I just keep them in my freezer. And I find that because they are so rich and dark chocolate, like you can have one and you're good. And so sometimes it's getting to that self-trust of knowing they're there, but I know I'm not going to eat all 12 of them in one sitting. I love that. And that's one of my favorites, too, is
1: (laughs) dark chocolate peanut butter cups. And it's so true. Just keeping something like that on hand, you can almost kind of challenge yourself and and give yourself permission to fail, too. If if you're just starting on this journey and and this process, it's going to take some time. This has taken me years to get to a point where I can have a plate of desserts in front of me and just have one or two small treats. And when you have something like, let's say a, a tray of peanut butter cups in the freezer. The first couple times you try this, you might eat more than what you were maybe planning on and you oh, might yeah. feel a little bit sick, but uh, it, it's more about almost remembering that feeling sometimes too, because I, one thing that I found has really worked for me over the years is remembering what it feels like to feel unwell. Yes. So if you look back on, oh, well, the last time I had too much of X food, I felt terrible you can really use that to work to your advantage because nobody enjoys the feeling of feeling overfull and stuffed and suffering from indigestion it's just not a good feeling nobody i know has ever said that they enjoyed that yes <laughs> you can really use that to your advantage and make sure that you are finding ways to in to give yourself that permission to fail but then you can use that later on to help you so it's
0: actually a benefit in disguise mm. Yeah, and I think a lot of that, you know, that trusting yourself and tuning into, um, you know, what you want, what your body needs can be kind of challenging, especially in the world where the magazines say, hey, try this, you know, paleo diet, you know, try whole 30. Now you should be a vegan. Like, how do you kind of help people navigate that world where they're coming with you? Hey, have you heard of ketosis? Should I be, you know, in? the keto diet on trying that next. You know, I get told that even on social media, I'll get, you know, DMs about, you know, different diets. And I always, my response is always like, well, the Ayurvedic way is this, because <laughs> that's like my easy out. But that is something I just was never, never my thing. Like I, I hate diets. I've just been around diets for my mom, always being on one growing up that I just, I just glaze over it. Like to me, I'm just like, no, they don't work. I've seen it not work for many years. So what do you respond to this with?
1: Yes. I love this question because it, uh, all of us are biochemically unique. So we're as different outside as we are inside. And this is something that we often forget because you'll talk to your neighbor or you'll you'll see something on social media where, oh, so-and-so lost uh, some ridiculous amount of weight on, on X diet. And Clearly, this is the best solution. Well, it might not be for you because we're all so different. Some people do better with uh, higher fat and lower carbs. Other people might do really well on a vegetarian or vegan diet. It's, it's all about figuring out what's going to work for you. And the part about that that's really unsexy is that it, it's, not, it's not a quick fix. Yeah. We, we want that quick fix. We want that, oh, I'll just do this for 30 days and then I'm set for life. Most of the people who lose that weight really, really quickly, usually, statistically, uh, almost all of them gain it all back and more. And it's not done in a sustainable way because they also haven't taken the time to figure out whether their body even will adjust to that and make that into a, a sustainable lifestyle change, as opposed to just doing a crash diet where you restricted calories so much that your body has no choice but to drop weight. And then as soon as you go back to any other form of regular eating or you overindulge in something that uh, you're, you were trying to avoid, it's all going to come back and you're going to feel even worse. So it's, it's really about... Um, I also talk to people a lot about focusing on shame around uh, certain food labels. Because a lot of times if, if we do decide to make a change, even if it's a healthy, sustainable change that seems to be working really well for us, the people around us can often give us a really hard time too. Whether it, and and not in um, not in an intentionally negative way, sometimes, but it could be a coworker or it could be a, a friend or a family member who just doesn't understand uh, what you're doing or why you've made this change. Or let's say you're avoiding uh, Grandma's pecan pie at Christmas. And you might be questioned as to why you're avoiding that. I know I personally have experienced that all the time. If I've made changes in my diet because something just wasn't working and was actually making me feel unwell, and then you'll be questioned about it and you shouldn't have to explain yourself either. Mm -hmm. So that can actually be even trickier than making the change itself sometimes, because when you do figure out what's working well for you, um, there might be others who don't understand it. So that's a little bit uh, trickier to navigate and and that can be a, a whole other uh, conversation about how to deal with that as well.
0: Yeah, like do you have any tips for maybe even like a statement people could say if that is something that they're coming up against is a friend always saying, no, you know, like why aren't you eating this? Why aren't you having another drink with me? Is there anything like that you have as a go-to? Yeah, I, I usually just tell people
1: to get into the mindset of um, being – first, they they need to be comfortable themselves with what they're doing for themselves. So mm-hmm. that's sort of step number one is finding out what works for you and and doing that sort of experimentation. And the next thing I would suggest to tell people if if they're actually questioning you about it is to let them know I, I find that often those types of questions or comments from other people are followed by, "What are you on some kind of diet?" Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. So, so what I usually <laughs> explain to people is, no, this just really doesn't make me feel well. Mm. And if someone is going to argue with you about that, they might not be a very good friend to begin with because they, if, if they're truly a really good friend and loved one, they're going to obviously want you to feel your best. So if you have removed something from uh, your style of eating or you know if you aren't drinking as often or whatever, if you've made those changes and you're making it because it's making you feel better to not consume those things that should be all the explanation that someone else needs to hear and that should be more than enough
0: yeah i mean i've had i've had that in my probably mid 20s you know kind of a friendship like i'm still we're still friends but it's not like it was before cuz we were our like going out and we partied together and so we drank a lot and then when i was kind of like over that scene Like, I just was like, no, I'm not going out with you. And then eventually she just stopped calling. And then we realized, well, our friendship really isn't much deeper than going out on a Saturday night because it's not like we were going out of our way to hang out with each other during the week, like, and even grabbing a bite to eat, you know? So that's where sometimes you're like, oh, okay. Like maybe this person isn't really even serving, you know, the way I thought they were in my life. Like, and that opens the door for maybe new friends or new experiences that you can have.
1: Yes. I love that. And it's so funny. I, um, Kate, uh, my, my podcast partner, Kate and I were just talking about this on an episode last week about alcohol, because I spent years and years bartending and I had a a lot of close friends in, in the industry that I thought were quite close and it was nothing against them at all. It was just that I gradually just stopped drinking almost entirely And I noticed that those friends sort of slipped away and not even really intentionally and and not in a negative way or anything like that. But you often can figure that out when you start to make a change. It can really start to show you other people's sort of true colors as well. And whether or not you're, you're either one of you is sort of a good fit for that particular friendship as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that especially now, since I'm like a mom too, he's almost two now, my son, which is crazy. Um, or he will be two by the time this airs. Huh. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, like I want to have more mom friends I have found. Cause I'm like my friends who don't have kids yet. It's, I love hanging out with them, but it's a little bit different now when you have kids, you're kind of like, okay, like there's other challenges that come up and like, you know, trying to make time for yourself. It's not quite as easy. And sometimes my friends that don't have kids don't always understand that. And we don't have childcare, you know, it's my husband and I still switching on and off. So it's just all of these things where I'm like, okay, I need to open my door and find a way to, you know, a new friendship. And um I think this is totally not on the related to the health or any topic that I was thinking we were gonna talk about today. But it seems like it's a good fit. It was just trying to find um, you know, making those adult friendships. And I think that um, you know, I think opening the door to new experiences in your life, whatever that might be. Um, Do you have any tips on that? In terms of okay, well, these friends maybe left you now that you're you know not drinking as much as bartender. But is there any way or anything that you got into to kind of open your eyes to new people that came into your life?
1: Yeah, and and this wasn't even really intentional. And I'm sure this probably sounds cliche, but finding new interests, things that genuinely interest you. So whether that's a, a hobby or a new fitness class or um, I know. Last year, I met a ton of amazing women, including you, uh, just by joining Jill Coleman's um, business coaching as well. So it, it's things like that where you may not even necessarily be expecting going into something new with the expectation of meeting people, mm-hmm. but you can end up coming out with it, uh, out of it, with lifelong friends that. that are basically a complete bonus because you you were trying to open yourself up a little bit, but uh, you just weren't going into it without expectation. I know when I started um, taking particular fitness classes, I got really close with some people in there. I know uh, some some places like CrossFit are especially sort of known for community building, but even just your, your local uh, gym can be a great choice for that. Whatever you're interested in, if you want to take a lesson in something, um, sign up for a a group coaching program like we did, all of those things can end up creating so many connections that could be just completely unexpected. And and it's really nice to experience that, especially when, uh, when that wasn't necessarily the goal too.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I love it. Um, You know, kind of, I guess, going back on the nutrition track, I want to know, you know, because you're, I would say you're definitely A good cook or from what I see, you know, you're better in the kitchen than most maybe. Um, And I want to know some pantry staples that you might have on hand to make some dinners in a pinch because I think sometimes we get stuck in that rut. So what do you like to have on hand for those nights where you're like, I have no energy, what should I make?
1: Absolutely. And full disclosure, my, uh, my partner does do a lot of the cooking. He's kind of a, a magician in the kitchen. He's like the imaginative chef. Whereas I'm like, okay, just get food on the table. <laughs> um, but I do have, so we don't, a lot of what we cook is not necessarily pantry as in, uh, like dry goods or anything like that. But a couple things that I do like to keep on hand is uh, canned wild salmon. And the particular one that we get is uh, BPA-free cans, which I do always try to get. It's a little bit more expensive, but I I do think that that that's important whenever you can do it. Um, And canned beans as well. Those are both super easy ones to just toss into a dish and make something come together really, really quickly. You can even just toss either of those things just on a big pile of, of veggies, either roasted veggies or raw veggies, make it into a salad, something like that. Um, I also like to keep rice and either sweet potatoes or squash on hand because rice, you can just toss in a rice cooker or into a pot and, and it just cooks itself um, and can be paired with virtually anything. And sweet potatoes and squash, you can just chop those up super quickly and throw them in the oven too. So one thing that I really like to do, um, especially in the winter, not not as much in the summer, but Winter, I will just take a cookie tray and throw some parchment paper on it so that you don't even have to wash the pan (laughs) (laughs) and chop up a whole whack load of veggies and toss those into the oven um, and they'll be done in 20 minutes. So you could do uh, sweet potatoes, uh, Brussels sprouts, and broccoli Mm -hmm. and just toss all those in together or cauliflower or there's so many different things that you can do there. Um, In some cases, you can even cook the proteins on top. So if you're doing something like uh, sausage or chicken or something like that. You can throw that on top and, and cook it all together, or just have the the protein cooking on the stove. If it's a meat protein, uh, cooking on the stove really quickly, and it will basically be done at the same time as you're pulling stuff out of the oven. So in the summer, you can just kind of reverse that. We like we like to use the barbecue a lot. Mm-hmm. So if you have that as an option, um, you can just basically do essentially the same thing on the barbecue as well or just like throw together a salad, like I said, and uh, a salad can come together so quickly. We almost put salads on a pedestal sometimes because it can be sort of a pain to chop up all the veggies, but once you get used to it and if you you know decide to only do like three or four veggies, you can make that happen in under 10 minutes easily. So that's always a really good option as well. Rotisserie chicken, um, I really like picking up usually one of those a week as well. Mm. I always just tell people in order to simplify as much as possible, Don't fear convenience foods. So something like a rotisserie chicken is that ideal? Not necessarily has a higher sodium content than some other things out there. And, uh, you know, it might not be, I suppose as ideal as a a fresh home cooked meal, but if it's going to have you eating more vegetables and protein, go for it. (laughs) Whatever is going to be the easiest possible win for you to eat in a way that's making you feel good. That's always a win in my books.
0: Mm. Those are great ideas. And as far as the rice, cause I know people are probably thinking what kind of rice, white rice, brown rice, do you have a preference?
1: I actually personally prefer white rice, which, uh, I know might surprise some people, but I digest it better. Mm-hmm. So I find that when I eat uh, brown rice, it, I, I love the taste of it, but it doesn't really like me as much. <laughs> so I, I usually that. go for white rice. It does tend to be easier to digest, but, um, either one, definitely work it does have uh some people there's obviously some health benefits that are associated with brown rice but whatever is going to work best for you and your body and that's something that uh, people have to experiment with too and figure out
0: yeah and i've done research too on the white and brown rice and i'm like oh that's interesting there's not white rice because i think in the last few years it was made to be like the bad rice if you're eating white rice isn't as good but that's really not the truth. So like, that's also something that I'm like, oh, this is interesting again with the food marketing. So make sure that we're like listening to our bodies and okay, how does our body process this? So I think that's a really good cue um, to give people. And just if they needed that, you know, kind of like, oh, okay, it's not gonna be the end of the world if I prefer white rice over brown rice. Absolutely, for sure. So now, kind of, I want to switch into the hormonal talk, and I want to talk about birth control. So I know you talked about this on your podcast um, with Kate, and I want to know a little bit more because I think I um, have this project in the back of my head that is like total woo woo slash practical. It's with the moon and the hormones and cycles, our cycles, and um, how to work out. And it's this big thing that I'm mapping out. It's probably going to take me a year to kind of put it all together. But I think this is a part of it because I think a lot of us are not not sure what birth control is even doing to our bodies and when we're taking it. So I want to do a little education on that and then your kind of ex- personal experience with it. I love it.
1: No, I, I love talking to people about the pill because it can be so eye-opening. And oh my, I, 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 this isn't because I've been trying to twist people's arm particularly, but just talking to women and educating them about uh, the pill in the past year, uh, clients and and whatnot. I've had multiple women who went off the pill after I talked to them and they just decided, and and I wasn't forcing that upon them at all. I was, I was just giving them an education, a little bit deeper look at the pill and almost all of them decided of their own accord to go off of the pill after talking about it Um, there for lots of people, the pill will be the right choice. I get that. I was on birth control pills for 11 years straight. Uh, a lot of, sometimes women will kind of go, go on it and then go off of it depending on their circumstances. I was just on it for 11 years without a break. And particularly when you're on the pill for more than 10 years, your health risks start to become quite significant. Um, so to, to continue with sort of the personal aspect, I decided to go off of the pill when I was in uh, my holistic nutritionist program, because we were focusing on the pill and and some of the things that it can do in the body. And I started to do uh, a bit more of my own research and it was a little bit frightening to say the least. So basically birth control pills can, it really affect mental health that can be a huge one. Uh, they can cause all kinds of gut and digestive issues. So it almost, um, it, you'll often hear about antibiotics, wiping out the good bacteria along with the bad. Birth control pills often do the same type of thing. Obviously they do two different things, but they, it can also have an equally uh, negative impact on the gut. Um, there can be higher risks associated with it for some cancers and blood clots, um, irregular bleeding between periods, all kinds of nutrient deficiencies, which can lead to increased cravings along with a whole host of other difficulties as well. Um, there is just a, an enormous, enormous list of issues associated with the pill. And for actually the, the, my last five years on the pill, so of the 11 years, the, the last five of those, I had a huge amount of irregular bleeding between periods and doctors, I was tested multiple times for various things. And I finally inquired, I, I started asking a lot of questions about whether this was associated with the pill. And multiple doctors told me that one had nothing to do with the other, that they were not associated at all. And the day I went off the pill, the irregular bleeding stopped. Hmm. And that, I don't feel that that's a coincidence. <laughs> I don't have a medical degree, but that is not a coincidence in my mind at all. Um, then I, I, after going off the pill, I experienced uh, amenorrhea, which is six months or longer without a period at all. Mm -hmm. And I actually ended up going almost a year without a period. Um, and even now it's been, let's see, it's been two years since I went off the pill and my periods are still irregular. They're, they're coming more often, but, uh, still often I would say every other month. Um, so I'm actually working with uh, a doctor, to get that straightened out a little bit further. And it's also about understanding that hormonal issues take time to fix. And I I knew this going into it, that I wasn't quite ready for children yet or anything like that, but that 11 years, enough was enough. I I needed to go off of it because I also knew that it was going to take time to heal some of these issues. Um, And the other point that I really want to make clear you might not be ready for kids. You might not even want kids ever. And that's totally fine. But your fertility is a sign of vitality and it's a sign of your health. And if you're having issues with your period, then that means that there are other deeper issues that are happening that really need to be dealt with. So that's something I always like to remind women because we associate periods and birth control pills and that type of thing with, with, uh, fertility. And oh, so what if you don't have a period? It's, I got all kinds of women that would say that to me, like, oh, what a, what a blessing, but not really, because if you have no period, that means that there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something that I always really want to, to stress for women as well. There is a number of things that I've been working on to fix it. Uh, acupuncture has been really, really helpful. now this is fertility specific acupuncture. So you can find naturopaths who would do it. I worked with a naturopath for that. Um, you can find uh, just acupuncturists who are who specialize in that area as well. It can be really helpful. Um, sleep is huge. You need to allow yourself to rest more. This is one that I've really struggled with, um, but I have been making a huge effort to get more sleep because it makes the biggest difference to our hormones by far. Uh, and stress management in general, just Learning to take that time for self-care, it can seem indulgent, but it's not. It's what your body is looking for, especially if you're going for years and years of sort of coasting on too little sleep and high-stress lifestyle, which so many of us are, then that becomes especially important. Um, Reducing workouts. I cried when I reduced my workouts. (laughs) I was so distressed, but I I did end up reducing my workouts and I still don't work out quite as often as I used to. Um, I used to go for maybe five or six days a week And that was way too much for my hormones and my stress levels and my lack of sleep. So I had to pull way back on that. Uh, For a while there, I cut down to once or twice a week. Now I'm up to about three times. Um, And just giving yourself permission to say no to things that you don't love doing. Um, Permission to rest. And even when it comes to nutrition, you need to really focus in on increasing healthy fats. Um, and for some people just increasing food overall, what I sort of came to realize about this was that for my activity level, I was actually under eating a little bit and that's really tough on the hormones. You're basically as, as females, our bodies always want to be fat and happy and pregnant. (laughs) That's, That's essentially what our hormones want at all times. And a lot of times we aren't letting that happen. And again, even if you're not trying to actually get pregnant, um, just making sure that you, that your body is healthy enough to support that. It basically is the key sign of whether your body is healthy or not.
0: And do you know, as far as birth control, if like the pill and IUDs, if like there's similarities there in terms of what it could be doing to the hormones or do you know anything on that regard?
1: Yes. I'm, I'm not as familiar with IUDs. Uh, birth control pills I'm especially well-versed on, obviously, because of personal experience. But I've heard, I, for, again, IUDs can definitely be the, the right solution for some people. But I have still heard of uh, a lot of women experiencing issues post-IUD in terms of uh, amenorrhea or irregular periods. Um, there, there can always be health risks associated with either one. So it's, it's tricky. I, I would always suggest doing your own research. Ask your doctor's opinion, um, but always make sure to do your own research so that you're well-educated enough to ask the right questions too. Sometimes you might just not be asking a question that maybe your doctor just didn't think to answer, and it might be something that, uh, that could be really crucial for you to know.
0: Yeah. Cause I have, uh, yeah, I had a client ask me that this morning and I was like, you know, I haven't done enough research into that yet into IUDs in general, in my little research project that I'm starting for fun. But I'm like, that is something that I was like, that I'm not sure, but I would like to know more about that. Um, and like one of the things too, if you're looking for like an Ayurvedic doctor would probably be able to help you out with any of this as well. If you maybe have some questions that you're like, I don't know if that's the right answer. From your general practitioner or an integrative uh, medicine doctor, because I've had a few of those on the show as well. Um, so if you're like, I keep getting the same answers and I don't think that's the answer for me, there are other a few other options. Um, usually you do have to pay out of pocket uh, for both of those practitioners, but it might be worth it just for a consult, just to get a little bit more information um, coming at it from a different angle, if that's something that people out there are thinking about. Exactly. And
1: that's why I saw a naturopath as well, because even though I was well-versed obviously on the, on the nutrition uh, side of it and, and some of the hormonal aspect as well. It's always helpful to get someone else's professional opinion and naturopaths, integrative doctors, uh, they're a wealth of information, just like a Western doctor as well. But like you said, it, it's a different perspective that can offer a lot of insight. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and you touched a little bit about like some of those other hormone, um, those hidden factors, you know, our sleep and self-care and resting. Is there anything else when you're telling people, um, you know, especially women, like, is there something else that might be affecting our hormones? Absolutely. Yeah. If you're experiencing really intense PMS,
1: that is common, but it's not normal. Mm -hmm. So PMS as a concept in general is not actually normal really at all. Uh, but we have just become so accustomed to it because it is so common that we've sort of forgotten that it's not actually particularly normal. Um, especially I, I talk to some women sometimes that experience PMS to such a debilitating degree, uh, that it, it's, it's, it, affects their entire lives and that's not what you want. That's definitely, it's your body giving you your period essentially is your body giving you a report card every month mm-hmm. and on the previous one to three months. So if you do start to make some, some major changes to your sleep and stress levels and all that. Um, Don't be discouraged if you don't see a difference right away like in the first month or so Sometimes it takes a couple months for your body to catch up Um, But having super low energy that can be a big one too Maybe you go for a workout and you just want to take a nap afterwards You just feel like you need to go to sleep I was having a lot of difficulty with that and I wasn't even really associating the two A workout should energize you It should uh, make you feel sore and obviously tire your muscles but it it should energize you and and refresh you, you shouldn't feel exhausted to the point of of needing to go to bed after a workout. Um, If you are taking days and days and days to recover from soreness after a workout as well, that's another really tricky one. Uh, You need to look a little bit more closely at that. That could be various things, uh, sleep, not not, uh, getting enough nutrition, all of those things, but those things all generally come back to hormonal issues as well. And again, mental health issues. If you're experiencing a huge amount of moodiness or maybe you're experiencing something more uh, serious like depression, anxiety, a whole host of other issues, those can definitely tie into hormone health as well. Um, so there's all kinds of factors. Basically, our hormones run the show in our body in a lot of ways. And we often ignore a lot of the symptoms that our, our body is, is giving us. And we need to really start to pay a little bit closer attention to that and, uh, and really hone in on the, the positive changes that we could be making to better support ourselves.
0: Mm. Yes, that's exactly what I was talking about me and a trainer <laughs> were today about that exact thing. Because we, you know, I was telling about, because at first he was kind of like, you know, like women's, you know, periods and working out. And that's just weird. I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, but this could be super beneficial information for you to understand, to know. And so we were chatting about that. And he's like, and he looks at me and he's like, I don't, how many women actually are that in tune with their bodies? So I was like, yeah, exactly. Not many. Not enough. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that. that is the issue. And he's like, Cause I don't know if I would have anyone, you know, he was saying, he didn't know if he had anyone that he works with who would even be able to tell him some of those answers to questions, some basic questions. I'm like, I know that's where I, we have to start educating, you know, people like, oh, okay, this is this nagging shoulder or neck pain, you know, like people, bring up those things during a workout, but maybe not some of the other underlying things. Like I am so exhausted and, you know, really just digging deeper and deeper at being like, Oh, okay, this is all connected and finding that root cause. So, um, I think that that's such a key thing when we're looking at some of those deeper issues like hormones, which could be, you know, if people are out there trying to have weight loss as a goal and they're, you know, like I'm doing everything while well, the hormones could be an underlying factor.
1: Absolutely. That can often be the the underlying factor that is not being taken care of. You could be eating all the right things and working out all the right ways. And it would be the hormones that could potentially be the, that one big thing that can hold you back. And it can be frustrating because yeah. the hormones do take longer to figure out too. Even once you figure out that it's hormones, then working with that can take a little bit more time than just switching up your diet or switching up your exercise routine. So it, it's tricky. But uh, for anyone working with a trainer, um, I love it, that you've been mentioning... That whole side of things, and uh, you you often should end up working out a little bit differently, potentially, mm-hmm. depending on where you are in your cycle, too. So that can be a really great thing. I'm I'm excited to see uh, what you end up coming out with because there's there's so many different ways that that you can take that, and it's just one more way to work with our bodies rather than
0: against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just recently had a client who was low in vitamin D, and um, like that's just been that was it, you know, like that was the missing piece of the puzzle. Cause she finally, you know, after I, she was a new client. And so, um, I had her go get some blood work done. And then sure enough, she was like, I, we thought it was at first iron cause she was after her first child. And so she assumed, Oh, it must be the iron again. And it turned out it was the vitamin D. And so it's just little things like that, that it's not always top of mind. You know, who thinks about their vitamin D on a daily basis? Probably not most of us. And so, you know, just making sure, Oh, okay. There's
1: that hidden factor Exactly. And it, the vitamin, actually, interestingly, vitamin D does behave as a hormone in the body. So vitamin D is an especially good example because um, it, it does behave a little bit differently and other potential deficiencies can then affect other hormones too. So especially if, if you live in, uh, in a cold climate, I know that you do as well. <laughs> and yep. I was here in Canada and uh, we just simply don't get enough vitamin D in the winter. Unfortunately, no. that's just the state of things, unless you're spending the winter in, in a beautiful, uh, sunny and warm climate, it's just simply not possible to get as much vitamin D as we want only from the food and, you know, our, our hands sticking out of our mittens or something. <laughs> yes,
0: I was like, the sun's not even out today. So I was like, we got nothing today. <laughs> I know nothing, no vitamin D happening today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Emily, where can people find you and learn more about your podcast?
1: Absolutely. So uh, the podcast is fitandnourishedmind.com, and we are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And uh, my website, uh, you can find me all over social media at nutritiouslyemily, and uh, my website is Emily Gough Coaching. I feel like that's a lot of things to remember, but I'm sure that. <laughs> Sure that Andrea will reference
0: that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then our final question for the week is, I like to give the listeners all a weekly challenge. And then when I have guests on, I have you guys give them the challenge. So what would you like that to be this week? Oh, I love this.
1: Uh, So my challenge to people would be to start really paying attention to what your body is trying to tell you. So because our bodies are always talking to us, but we don't always listen, It can be tricky to know where to start with something like this, but it could look like maybe you're journaling uh, just a couple of quick notes each day or you're taking a quick moment a few times a day or or after a meal or a workout to just do a quick mental scan of your body and see what feels good and, and what doesn't. These are all little things that we can do to start to pay closer attention to what's going on on the inside. And be honest with yourself too. Like, don't, this is something I used to do. I would eat something that I knew didn't make me feel very well. And I'd be like, oh, I feel fine. <laughs> and yes. because I didn't want to give it
0: up. But yes. sometimes
1: we need to be honest with ourselves and uh, really start to, to focus in
0: on what's going to make us feel the best from the inside out. <laughs> yeah, I've totally been there. <laughs> and there are times where I was like, no, peanut butter M&Ms, they just work well for me. And they're, they're good not- for me. <laughs> it was like every time it was like stomach pains in the bathroom for like, like hours, oh. I was like, "This does not work for me." I hear you. I've totally been there. <laughs> I know one of my clients who works in the um, health field. She was like, "You know, that's not normal." And I was like, "Oh, don't tell me that. I don't want to get." No, it's outside validation that it's not normal. That's not I know. <laughs> I know. Then you're like, "Oh, fine. That's my cue." you <laughs> <Give laughs> no, hiding it. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, that's a great challenge for everyone to do. Um, And I look forward to doing that myself as well. Cause it's nothing like, I mean, just adding it to your day, even if you already like think that you're in tune, but nothing like a little body scan, maybe at three in the afternoon being like, Oh, how do I feel right now? Am I exhausted? Hmm.
1: Why is that? Absolutely. Yeah. And this is something I have to remind myself to do still on on a regular basis. It, It comes with practice, but sometimes it's easy to get distracted and then we just forget. And that's when we can kind of maybe start to go into some habits that aren't making us feel that great. So it's always
0: good to check back in. Mm-hmm. And we don't, sometimes we don't notice it when we feel really good, but it's those days that we feel bad and then we forget. We're like, well, what, why were those days so good? Cause you weren't paying attention because you just felt great. I found that I fall into that habit. And I'm like, well, how come I wasn't exhausted the last few weeks? And now I am. And then starting to really track that and figure out exactly why. So Sometimes it's kind of a fun little science experiment on yourself as well. Oh, I love that. That's so true. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Emily. Um, I cannot wait for everyone to tune into your podcast. It is so good. And we had Kate on here earlier um, in January. So you guys will have to check out the interview with Kate Horner as well. The other half of the duo of the (laughs) Fit, Nourished, Vine podcast. Um, And I just want everyone to go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclausen.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.